0: Brooklyn, I am Face Boy, Face Girl, Catherine Dunn could not be here this week, maybe she's listening, we miss you, we love you, with me in the studio, it is too much, it's too damn much, isn't it, it's a lot, with me in the studio is my junior high school buddy, author, lawyer, black belt, don't fuck with him, Adam smile. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Always a pleasure. The following program contains materials suitable for mature audiences only, and also the opinions expressed on Artstar Scene Radio are not necessarily the opinions of Radio Free Brooklyn. So I had uh, mentioned... To Adam, at his wonderful reading at KGB Bar earlier this week, that I had put together a list of. Did you really do that? Because uh, his book Knucklehead. If you if you haven't read the book, spoiler alert: there's going to be some spoilers, but not nearly as many as I had planned. Because Adam lawyered up thirty minutes before the show. I get a text. We're going to need to talk about the scope, (laughs) the direction.
1: Oh Well, well, I got to read that text. Can I read that text? I told you I was going to give you shit about this. This is a show about Can I at least
0: read the text that you sent me?
1: The part that says there too, I think is uh, a. Just uh,
0: so lawyered up.
1: I couldn't help it, man. (laughs)
0: Okay. We do need to talk briefly about the scope slash subject matter. The limits there too, and why? So that we have a fun enter- and why? So that we have a fun, entertaining hour, and not an hour of this. And this is some sort of weird like.
1: Yes, well, uh, yeah. If you can get a little closer to the mic. That uh, that may have happened. That text. <laughs>
0: if I sent that text. That's
1: right but we've we've uh we've we've straightened it out now so uh, so prepare yourselves for a fun and entertaining hour
0: maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay um what inspired you to write knucklehead let's get right into it
1: oh what inspired me to write it i think it's a question of what inspired me to just keep going with it because i write and so uh at some point i realized i had written enough pages that it it was uh it was something you know, you're a writer, you just, you, you have an idea, you write, and then you kind of figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. I wrote a short story and then I wrote another short story. And then two years later, I was like, I guess I'm working on a novel.
0: Were you involved in any workshops? Did you have uh, a writing guide? Uh,
1: a lot of guidance, a lot of community. I was lucky. My wife found um, an annual retreat for writers of color called uh, Vona, Vona Voices Workshop. And It was perfect for me because I was tired of running short stories by friends and getting, it's great, I really like it, but do you think maybe, maybe have you considered making the protagonist white? (laughs) 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 And so so that that happens enough that Mm -hmm. a bunch of us got together and we workshop uh, our stuff every year Mm -hmm. all over the country now. Um, uh, Writers of color are encouraged to find Vona Voices online and apply. Uh, and, uh, and it will change your life, change mine.
0: Uh, tell me a bit about the process. <sighs> I'll give you an example. Um, when I'm just free writing, my process is to go down to, uh, the river, the Hudson river, which is only a short block from my house. Usually at sunset because that is the time and the place that is most inspiring for me. I have a time and place that inspires me. So if it's just free writing, that's where I'm going to go. If I'm writing an article, um, for, like for the, for the Villager, I'm gonna have like a five minute convert, a five minute interview with whoever owns whatever critter I'm writing about, and then I'm gonna do a bunch of research on maybe their block, because I like to have a little history in the articles, and then I'll try to integrate it all together to make something that's entertaining. It's it's all light stuff when I'm doing NY critters, um, so that's two different processes for two different types of writing. And so for you. It's usually
1: very unstructured. I write because I'm moved to uh working on a novel is a whole other thing. Best thing I can liken it to, um, not completely based on personal experience. I lost thirty pounds once, but writing a novel strikes me as what it must be like to lose a hundred pounds because okay. it's just years and years of misery and discipline. <sighs> but mostly misery and loneliness. It sucks. Don't do it. But uh, I'm glad I did. There's a lot of, you know, structured writing time. There's a lot of getting up an hour earlier just to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a lot of writing on a commuter bus going into San Francisco to work. And uh, that was great. I had a little ancient netbook. It wasn't even a laptop. It was a netbook. And, and I was usually, uh, I timed it right so that I could uh, take my guts out, unpack them, spread them out, write about them tuck them back in and go to work. There was one particular time, one particular part of the book, um, if someone reads it, they could probably guess which part it is. Uh, The the bus pulled up at the terminal before I was ready, and I was just sitting in the back crying, and everybody got off to go to their jobs, and I was just vivisected, self-vivisected.
0: Of course. Yeah,
1: and tucked it all back in and went to work, but it's satisfying now. The weird thing about writing a novel is, for me, I was in the headspace I was writing about all the time.
0: I was going to ask you about that. That must've been a ride.
1: It, it, yes. Yes, it was a ride. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. I think I, I, I've seen other authors mention that I did not expect that. I didn't see it coming. And there were just, there were periods of weeks or months when I was in some very interesting headspaces. and mm. I would catch myself and be like, dude, dial it back. But that's how immersive it is. And, uh, and it's so immersive for me that by the time I was done, I felt differently about all the themes and issues I was writing about. I mean, they all still exist. I still have feelings about them, but they were so processed. So even though I said, don't do it, uh, do it because writing is the best therapy I have found.
0: It is. It is. It definitely is. Um, what about the physical process? You and I are the same age. We, uh, we met when we were 12 or 13. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, 12. <laughs>
0: I think 12. Yeah. I think we were t- fucking 12. <laughs> so that's a 40 year friendship now. Damn. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I write with a pen and paper. Whoa. <laughs> and then I transfer it to the computer for a submission or for whatever I'm going to do. You don't do that.
1: Is, I have a question for you. When you, when you, you said you transfer it, but is there a certain amount of editorial process that happens? You yes. don't just, tra- yeah, it goes, it goes through another run right yes. through your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figured. Um, I, I write on the computer just because my handwriting and because I'm a pack rat and I like having more than one copy of something. I, I, Your
0: handwriting? Well, <laughs> we all
1: we all you know have our burdens. <laughs> that is something, man. It's yeah, ridiculous. It it's is. insane.
0: Like that's uh yeah. The fact that I can read this is, I mean I don't know. It's there are very few people who can read my handwriting. My handwriting looks like I've
1: written the name of my killer. <laughs> that's that's what it looks like to me, but um so i I would rather cut than add I don't like uh yes. I don't like oh, flesh this out and describe the room and all of this so i I just try to get it all out the first time and then cut as needed.
0: I remember on more than one occasion in college, I would be assigned a ten page paper, and I would hand in two and a half and I, and i would say look i can give you another seven and a half pages of filler if you want but if this doesn't if this doesn't if this doesn't complete the assignment i will give you some filler and they were like oh shit man you did <laughs> and that that works
1: for you yeah yeah because
0: because nice. uh i can be very concise and i don't like to put in a bunch of bullshit just to make it 10 pages yeah you know yes
1: and even so knuckleheads i think 340 pages long and that was the most concise i could get what i was trying to say
0: Mm -hmm. i uh when i finished reading your book i sent you a text
1: let me throw a little background out Um, the elevator pitch for knucklehead was a young black law student um inflicts his growing pains on late 80s new york and early 90s san francisco the book is published by akashic press it uh launched in February, and it's available on Amazon and other fine stores.
0: And you're gonna do that again at the end of the show, and okay. you know I'm gonna ask you like where we can <laughs> okay. find you, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I've been doing this for a while. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna promote you, okay. but good, to get, but good, good on you, because I'm guessing you've done other interviews where people didn't do that.
1: And you never know what actually, yeah, yeah. Once yeah. it starts, it's a, it's a wild ride. So. Mm-hmm.
0: so this is what I wrote to you Tuesday, March thirteenth. 9 38 p.m my time just and this is absolutely true just finished reading knucklehead i was going to give you shit and act like i thought it was crap <laughs> but i know you wouldn't buy it because I, I think you know you have something damn good here don't you
1: i do now i didn't know at first i did not know I, I knew i had done the best i had i could do i didn't know how it would be received at all
0: okay adam it's instantly engaging. I felt I was with you at damn near every turn of the page. I actually cried from your loss. Fuck you for that. And cheered for your wins. I, like too many people these days, have not been reading enough books. You jump-started my love of reading again. Thank you for that. A word of advice, because I've seen this so much. You're going to be famous. Be very selective in who you trust. Love and respect. Respect. And then you wrote, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always the author. <laughs> concise,
1: concise. Like you said, you know, you, you jump-started my love of reading is like the nicest thing I could hear about that.
0: It's true. It's true. And I, uh, the first book I read after yours, I decided to go something light, <laughs> and it's this book called Dominic, D O M, N I C, no K at the end. And it's essentially a children's book, um, and it's something I read when I was fairly young. And it's just beautiful, and, and it's, it, I, I recommend it. Anyone looking for some something light, even though it's a children's book, it's it still can speak to an adult. It spoke to me. I thought it was really fun. And then since I had enjoyed that, I looked at the books on my bookshelf, um, and I saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> And I was like, all right, let's 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 stick with some children's stuff for now. Wow. And I opened it up. <laughs> it's a first edition mm. with the dust jacket. Mm. I look, on your shelf? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, and those are going for in the condition that it's in? Yeah. About five thousand dollars. Yes. So, you, so you, you I put, put that it, away. You yeah, yeah. yeah, put that in a baggie. <laughs> yeah, bag that up. Yeah, yeah. Go to the library. Get, a, yes. get another copy of Charlie well the So you jump-started my love for reading, and you led me to a book worth five thousand dollars. Woohoo! Thank you for that. That will happen to everyone who reads the book. Yes, it will. <laughs> okay. Now, almost all of your reviews have been re- have been fantastic on Amazon, on Goodreads, and and it's well deserved. I'm going to do a review of the two bad reviews.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I don't read reviews. Man. This will be new to me. Oh, really? I try well, not to. Well, there are only two bad ones. I've read a couple of them.
0: Okay. I, how can you not?
1: Oh, it's easy.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, they're all super positive. Oh, okay, I appreciate except, that. Except this one. <laughs> Diana. One star. This is the author's debut novel but I could not get into this one. Subject matter, characters, writing style, just not anything that appealed to me. (laughs) Struggling to get to page 100, I finally decided to quit. I received this copy from Library Thing Giveaway for an honest review. You didn't read the book! Oh, no. You got it for free, and you didn't read the book, and you give it one star? (laughs) Bye, Felicia. (laughs) That's my review of her review. Yes, nice. (laughs) Nice, well done. Well done. Okay, here's the second one. And I'm not even going to read the whole thing. And this is Addie. This is basically a novel that you would expect from an affluent black conservative living in California. <laughs> the author, Erm, protagonist, is honestly an, a new black. What? what the hell is a new what? black? Yeah. I'm new again. Yeah. Uh, I'm
1: an affluent and black can, conservative. And can
0: really afford to be one because he's an attorney. The description of this book is misleading. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of that this. That was hate, but, hate speech against
1: attorneys right But there.
0: Uh, my review of this is... Uh, that's one way to get around a restraining order, Sarah.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: well played. I knew you'd like that. Well played, Sarah. I knew you'd like
1: oh, that. Well, oh. I, You know what? Anybody's... Okay, this is true. I appreciate... The fact of a reaction to the book, like I'm not necessarily going to read it, but if you like it, if you don't like it, it's still, you know, two sides of the same coin. I'd rather you like it. But if you don't like it because it it triggered something in you or it made you think something, then, you know, I don't think you can really ask for much more than that when you when you take thoughts out of your own head and put them on a page and give them to somebody else to read. I mean, everybody's not going to agree with you.
0: That's true. That's Don't even true. want
1: everyone to agree with Marcus. I mean, that's a thing. It's a, she was like the, uh, the author, erm um, protagonist, <laughs> which I totally get, but I, I am grateful. Sarah
0: wrote that several times in her review.
1: I am, I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for that reaction too. Cause I worked hard on it, you know?
0: So, mm-hmm. so, uh, let's, let's discuss this a little bit. It is, it is not a memoir, but there are many traits of Marcus that are Adam. Um, What, in what ways do you, I'm going to be more general than I was going to be before you lawyered up. (laughs) (laughs) In what ways do you view the differences between Marcus and Adam?
1: I think the primary difference is that uh, Marcus lacks impulse control that Mm -hmm. he, let's say, let's say Marcus has, 25% 25% of the impulse control. Or, you know, maybe even higher. Maybe a little goes a long way. Maybe it's one of those things like on a curve, right? So every point of impulse control, you act more and more consistent with expectations. So he just, he, he tends to go with his impulses. Um, perhaps I tend to write about them. Big difference. The other difference is I now have the benefit of experience and age in the years that came after the span of the book, which, like I said, covers late 80s to early mid 90s. And uh and those are big differences. He's a young man. I I used to be a young man, but uh yeah, he still is.
0: Right. Yes. Uh there was one chapter that after I read it, and Nancy, my sister, is reading it also, she actually bought me my copy. She was that was very nice. Um and uh after I read it, I was like, every single thing that I've read here, even though I know it's not all true, a lot of it is probably not true. Everything was believable. Mm. There was one chapter that was not believable. And I told this to Nancy, to me anyway. Okay. Might not be to everyone. Okay. Uh, and I mentioned this to Nancy and she goes, Well, don't tell me what it is. And I said, I wasn't going to. <laughs> the next time we had dinner, she goes, Okay, I think I know what it is. And this was that without me giving her any hints whatsoever. Okay. It was the chapter. Spoiler alert. Yes. Okay. Spoiler alert. Okay. It was the chapter where you. Were first where you first met the parents of Amelia Amalia Amalia and you describe your father's death very very uh in, in great detail and it's a very very sad story it, it tugs at your hearts oh oh and oh, then and
1: oh oh wow okay we're gonna go there yeah and then, then you cry. said
0: I lied neither you <laughs> nor the character that you created would ever do that at first meeting of parents of someone that you loved. I just didn't find it believable. Well, let me what ask do you, you think this. about that?
1: I understand you didn't believe it when you read it. Having read the entire book, if you were to revisit that behavior, would you see it differently? And it's What really, do you mean? Uh, well, more is revealed. That's 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 the outer layer of the onion.
0: More is revealed, yes. And- I still, don't, I still don't see that character doing that.
1: And that's cool. Um, consider rereading it.
0: Okay. I did.
1: Okay. <laughs> I already did. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> I did go back and, and I was like, mm, I'm, I'm not, mm. but. Uh, that's, was
1: there more context for it though? After you read
0: the whole. There book? is more context. Yes. Yes. Um, but just because me and my sister, I mean, we both have known you for a long time. Yes. So, and we do see so much of you yes. in Marcus. Yes. So I think we're both like, Adam would
1: never do that. Well, but sure. Adam would never do plenty of that stuff.
0: Yes. That's, well, that's, I'm not uh, sure. Well, I believed
1: a lot, of, a lot of the things. Well, see, here's the thing about believability. I've seen people call memoir not believable. Believability uh, and, and, and truth are two very different things. And writers learn that the hard way. You know, this, I, I, I've i written memoir. True. And then people say, it's not believable. And you're like, but the shit happened. But it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't, that doesn't translate to the words on the page. They don't glow if the shit actually happened. So you have to, you have to put that there.
0: Yes, you, know? you do. Uh, what writers inspire you?
1: A lot. And that's, that's tricky, right? Because it, I'm going to leave somebody out. So I'm going to try to, uh, I'll start with the heavies. Okay. I'll start with the heavies. Uh, James Baldwin, Richard Wright. Oh, yes. Maya Angelou's yes. Um, prose. I'm not really much of a, a poetry buff, but her memoir uh, was everything. The six or seven books worth. Uh, Chinua Achebe. Who's uh, that? Things Fall Apart.
0: I'm not familiar.
1: It's, and Oh, yeah. You got to read that, man. Because, it, oh, yeah. He takes what I call the worst thing that ever happened and makes it readable. A lot of people, man, they want to, they want to, they want to share their trauma with you, man. and, Mm -hmm. and, and, And some people really like that, but I've, I've got enough damage. I don't need to like completely internalize other people's damage. There are some, I've, I've read some things I wish I hadn't. And there's nothing heavier than the stuff he writes about, but it's like, it's like you're sitting on a park bench and a man comes and sits down next to you and chats you up and you talk for like three hours and then he leaves and you're changed. That's what his books are like for me. Um, a good friend of mine, actually, was um part of the faculty at Bard with him. Bard, you you can applaud if you want. And with
0: uh, <laughs> Simon's Rock, and uh, Simon's Rockers actually are not all that keen on the Bard thing. Oh, yeah, like uh, someone someone put a big banner on one of the on one of the dorms that said "Not Bard College." Oh, my. Yeah, we think we're better than them.
1: <laughs> oh, even, oh, OK. That, now I understand. Now I understand. I totally get that. Who else? Who else? So there are like the people that I was reading when I was growing up. And then there are the people who I was reading before I started writing. And I didn't know it, but I was kind of like loading up some foundation. I I ate all of Walter Mosley's work up to that period of, you know, to the uh, m- around the turn of the millennium. You know, late 90s, all of the 90s. I read a lot of Mosley. I read a lot of uh, Jeff Nicholson, Junichiro uh, Tanazaki. Uh, I didn't necessarily read the people everybody else read. I just kind of came by my stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered, I mean, except for Mosley, who obviously has a lot of commercial appeal, I would discover a book and then just read everything they wrote. A lot of Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Read a lot of Malcolm.
0: What did you think of the uh, film? Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So good.
1: So I feel like that's what his Oscar was for. They give the delayed reaction Oscar sometimes. Okay. Like I think the departed was actually for good fellas.
0: Okay. All right. And
1: whatever, whatever with training day. I mean, training day was fine. X, you fucking I think it's an
0: important, I think it's a very important film. Oh my I my god. It's, I think it's, you, I hope you disagree with me on this. I think it's more important for white people to watch this than black people. And I'll tell you why. I think that the black community is already more educated on who Malcolm X really was and the changes that he went through. And white people think of, still today, think of him as just completely anti-white, militant.
1: I mean, that may be. I try not to think too much about what white people need to do to stop thinking (laughs) The things that they think despite uh, decades and centuries of evidence to the contrary,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But, yeah, I'm I'm sure that would be helpful. Of course, those people would be the ones who would go to see it in the first place.
0: The so, people that already know, you
1: think? They might think they know. Okay. But they're still,
0: I don't know. Um, I feel the same way about, I don't know if you've seen it, Panther. Oh, Panther. Man, I haven't seen that in a while. Powerful film. Yeah. yeah and also, good. yeah. Also, uh, you know, a, a lot of white people think about the Black Panther Party and they don't remember the part where it says for self-defense. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes. Well, I mean, Knucklehead deals with that a lot. Um, part of the whole what really happened thing, you might, you may have noticed at the reading the other day, I said, you know, well, people like to ask me what did or did not happen in this next scene actually happened. And it was about uh, when those LAPD officers were acquitted for a beating that we all watched on video. Right. And and the shock of that. And it, it always strikes me that in the face of bombings, um, people can still focus on someone else raising their voice. Mm-hmm. And I think those those two things come together when uh, you know, let's say a is doing something super scary like wearing a hoodie or holding a phone and he gets shot in the back sixty billion times and mm-hmm. and, and uh those actions are seemed are, 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 are viewed as you know uh, cause and effect or on par in some way or i don't i don't quite follow
0: mm-hmm. i don't
1: quite follow but you know that's not really my my
0: business i want to mention a little side note this show art star scene radio has been really silly for a long time <laughs> and all about just the craziest things that are happening in the world and and very sexual in, in nature and i decided to do a serious episode and I was nervous about it. I was really nervous about just getting in here and being serious with you. Um but I I'm really glad that that uh we've gone in this direction. I really enjoy it. There was another are you are you having fun?
1: I am. I just hope everybody listening is having fun and we're not just bringing them down.
0: I don't care. All right. Cool. Good. <laughs> Good. No, I do care. Um but if you are listening for the first time and Really enjoying this? Don't listen to any back episodes. (laughs) (laughs) If you think this has value and you would like to support the station, uh, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. If you'd like to sponsor this show in particular and you think it has merit and it's worth sponsoring, go to RFB.NYC slash ass yeah really because it's art star scene so it's A S S. I, I so totally get that <laughs> i totally get that but i was
1: also thinking don't worry folks that we'll be back to the uh, the butt stuff jokes uh next week
0: yes we will but maybe not because i've been because i've been there's there's like serious stuff that uh i mean i've done so much ridiculous stuff and i know that my co-host Catherine, she's got plenty of serious stuff and uh i'm I, sorry she's not I'm, here that would have been cool i know I, I i'm i think i might be wanting to take this in a different direction we'll see we'll all see. right um another case that you had discussed in your book was the uh O. J. Simpson case. And the who
1: now the the OJ the I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um what a what a what a divisive time or not a divisive time, what a time where it showed the divide. Yes. I, I needed to reword that. Because yes. those feelings were there. And um and when the verdict was announced and when black people were celebrating and white people were just empty, it seemed, that's when we saw a divide that was always existing. And I'm, I'm really glad that you dealt with this and the way you did because I'd always said pretty much what you said. He's guilty, but the evidence wasn't there. And the black community was not fooled. It was a celebration of saying, "We saw this trial. There wasn't enough evidence. It wasn't collected properly, and it wasn't presented properly. You can't convict. And if you did, it's an injustice. And they saw justice." And I, I,
1: I would even say it wasn't a celebration. It was relief mm-hmm. because if you, if you're going to be the most famous, beloved black person in America, and rich, and and Johnny Cochran is your lawyer, and cops get caught committing perjury on the stand and you still get convicted then there's no hope for any of us so just because oj got off didn't mean anybody else was going to get a fair trial but
0: at least didn't they draw his blood at his house instead of at a lab or at a precinct and then say well there's there's here's your here's i mean there was all kinds of things that were just done wrong yeah i mean it might not have been that i might be wrong about that but there was something about the way his blood was handled that was wrong
1: Perhaps if we had that trial today, it would go differently. How so? More to people's satisfaction. I think that over time, a certain segment is learning that their actions don't have to make nearly as much sense as they thought they did. You can just do it. You can just do it. Just kill the guy and then say, yeah, we killed him. And then that's kind of it. Then, you know, somebody will somebody will say something on an awards show and, and it's over. There have been so many lynchings, I can't even keep up. Mm. I'm, still, I'm still stuck on all the 90s ones. That's why I wrote about them.
0: I wanted to bring this up.
1: One of the lines, but spo- go ahead. spoiler alert, um, <laughs> uh, at one point Marcus says that O.J. Simpson could have cut off a black woman's head on video, and it would have never gone to trial, and you wouldn't even remember. I think that's relevant.
0: That is relevant. Would you read a little excerpt, anything you want? Oh. I brought yeah. it with me. You
1: brought it? Oh, I see. I, I well, didn't yeah, bring mine, so I could be know, like, sorry, I don't. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> I come prepared. Uh, you know, even though I'm, I'm suggesting people read the book before they listen to this episode, there's something about hearing an author read their work, uh, the intonations. The, you're, you're an excellent reader, and I would appreciate that. You know what? If I can
1: find the one I want to do. Yeah, I think here it is. Here it is. Oh, yeah, this is pretty sweet. It's not that long. This will take about five minutes tops. Perfect. So uh, as I, I stated in the elevator pitch, Marcus starts off as a law student. This is called No, You Probably Can't. Monday, August 6th, 1990. It was the week before any classes started anywhere at NYU. The law school had taken over one of the undergraduate dorms, a massive apartment building on Bleecker, for law firm first-round interviews. Rather than all of us taking time out of our studying during the school year to beat the bushes and law firm partners taking time out of their billing to recruit, we all came together under one roof each year before classes began for a huge interview orgy. The orgy imagery was made no less apt by the fact that each desk in the room was three feet from a bed. If you and your credentials made it past this initial hurdle, the next round or two of interviews were much more likely to yield an offer. It was very efficient. So that was the situation. There was no other activity taking place. The entire building was being used for one purpose, job interviews. It was filled with two kinds of people. One, young people in blue suits, and two, old people in blue suits. That's (laughs) it. I wasn't messing around. I had eight half-hour interviews booked for the first day alone. Baby's first briefcase was stuffed with resumes and transcripts and, resume- and references and writing samples. I was rocking a navy pinstripe, three-piece, and wingtips. I was rested, caffeinated, and not too gassy. I was ready. My morning went well enough at first. I made my little speeches and tried to get used to the half-hour format, which back then seemed like a very long interview. I learned where to linger and where to keep it moving. I got better at making my face appear interested, like Arsenio. I was making moves. Then my 11.30 happened. It was 11.29. I knocked on the closed dorm room door and opened when I heard a grunt. Wedged behind the tiny desk was a large middle-aged gentleman stuffed into a blue suit. It was a nice suit, but because it didn't cover the man's face, his Boston was showing. I was trying to figure out how to make that work in my favor as I smiled warmly and said, Mr. O'Donnell? Mr. O'Donnell did not smile back. He didn't glare either. He just looked at me. Can I help you? He said. When I think back on this moment, me now wishes that me then had answered, no, you probably can't. Thank you for your time. And turned my back on the inappropriate racist some firm had seen fit to send to a top five law school. Me then could have Use the reclaimed time to bounce back from that bit of surreality and rest up and practice and go into his remaining interviews with renewed vigor. That is certainly what me now would do today, knowing what I know now, what I had only then suspected or feared. But my next thought is, had I done that, perhaps I wouldn't even be me now now. Maybe that would have been a mistake. Maybe the man was legally blind and thought that the blue of my three-piece was actually a jumpsuit and that I was making rounds, emptying trash cans. Or maybe the angry Irish gentleman would have been offended by my militant self-respect and complained about me to the school, blackballing me. Or maybe it was some sort of test, and it was actually a great firm. I just didn't know. I couldn't know. And so the second thought me now has is great admiration for me then, for being prudent and taking the high road, and not shooting off the retort I have carried around for 25 years, but rather saying sweetly, I am Marcus Hayes. I'm here for my 1130 interview. And upon getting absolutely nothing in return, taking tentative steps to the ugly chair on the other side of the desk and sitting on the edge of it and having a little staring contest and upon realizing that the man was never, ever going to commence the interview, commencing it myself and asking the big red face questions about the firm and receiving yes or no grunts and head gestures for the full 30 minutes before thanking Mr. O'Donnell and backing slowly out of the room. thank, you, thank you adam and yeah that happened for that any, happened for anyone interested in, in that side of things yeah that's totally okay
0: <laughs> all right i am gonna i am gonna be silly for a little while cool <laughs> <coughs> steven bochco passed away recently yeah and he was the creator of many shows one of which was nypd blue Woo-hoo. so for tonight's te- top 10 list this is the top 10 Give me a moment. I had it here. I will do some
1: Stephen Bochco theme music while you look. Thank you.
0: There we go. Okay, this is the top 10 NYPD Blue episode titles that could be porn. That could be porn. And if uh, any type of porn comes to your mind, feel free to shout it out. Okay. Number ten, honeymoon at Viagra Falls. Oh.
1: oh, oh,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Self-explanatory. One, but there's some like elderly. There's that's some elder porn right uh, these there. Are, these are
1: real. These are real. Yeah, titles. these are all real episode. Titles. All right, bring it.
0: Number nine, Chatty Chatty Bang Bang
1: Oh, that's sweet I
0: don't even want to know what that would be I think that's just someone who's too talkative during sex And it's starring Dick Van Dyke like Nice the original. Yeah. I think I have that one Number eight Nude Awakening Yeah, that's
1: pretty straightforward
0: I think that's like You, you just woke up somewhere nude And just, just shouldn't have been there Damn it The whole video is just a walk of shame. Number seven. Remembrances of Hump's past. Oh, dear. I I think that's just masturbation porn. A
1: lot of flashbacks, like old school 70s porn.
0: There you go. Now you're getting into it. Number six. Bottoms up. There you go. Number five. Hose down. (laughs) Oh, 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 wow. Damn. Number five three, number four, Porn Free. <laughs> That's just the internet. Yeah. Number three, Tranny, Get Your Gun. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, dude. Number two, and this isn't even number one. This is the actual episode title, Hand Job. Wow. Wow. I feel happy.
1: I remember I walked out of that one because there were no hand
0: jobs. (laughs) The number one episode title of NYPD Blue that could be porn In the Butt Bob. Oh. Do you know what that's from?
1: Almost. It's refreshed my memory.
0: Newlywed game.
1: Yes! You're the, the strangest place you've made Woofy.
0: That'd be in the butt, Bob. Yes!
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Old school reference.
0: You're the ones that didn't quite make the list. Old Man Quiver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One in the nuts. <laughs> Better Laid Than Never. <laughs> Low Blow. And Brown Appetite.
1: Oh, <laughs> NYPD blue indeed. Rest in peace, Mr. Botchko.
0: I noticed on your Facebook page you had uh, you, you had a post about the all in the Fla- all in the family theme song. Oh yeah, and uh, how almost every line is offensive.
1: I, I just woke up. I don't know what I was dreaming, but I woke up and I heard that. Oh no, somebody mentioned it. I was at a reading the night before, and somebody made a passing reference to either Archie Bunker or All in the Family. And so that my my brain is such that I woke up having played that song in like uh, you know high def or whatever and for I don't know how many hours of my sleep and I woke up just meditating on the words and how it's just one long dog whistle and and uh, I didn't think twice about it when it was you know mm-hmm. when I was you know a kid watching the show and guys like us we had it man I was like oh okay then they're gonna make America great again now mm-hmm. aren't <laughs> they. I've gotten that sparked a a, a conversation about whether the show was satirical. I always assumed it was. I always assumed Archie Bunker was um, an exaggerated caricature of a certain kind of person that that Norman Lear wanted to put out for the world to see. Other people have told me they always thought of it as he was just the face of it. And it was like double reverse irony, Norman Lear's politics, notwithstanding that he was just straight up saying the things and people who agreed with him dug it. And he was a he was a rallying point for what what is now, you know, Roseanne, I guess.
0: Okay, what do you think of the new Roseanne?
1: I didn't think much of the old Roseanne, so I haven't watched it. Okay, I I hear that they have both. um, What's the begins with the D, the daughter, Darlene. Mm -hmm. They have both Darlene's. Yes. So I appreciate that because that's always that's always kind of fucked up when they just when they just swap. My my personal uh, trauma is Lionel, but I can understand if somebody you know if it goes back all the way to Darren for somebody, or I'm sure there's a whole generation of mm-hmm. people who got kind of weirded out by the Darlene thing.
0: But what do you feel about because in both cases, uh, Roseanne, but they brought her back, and all in the family, a major character was killed off. Ooh. Edith died. Yes. And Spoiler alert! Dan died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, writers that create these characters that people love and then kill them off. I, I was I was thinking about what when I first started creating characters. There was a, a girl in my building. Um, her name was Sally Button. Like, can you have a cuter wow. name? And we met uh she was in you know there's a courtyard in my building and she was walking duck-footed and i was i thought and i knew what uh, i had been doing that myself because i was pigeon toed Mm -hmm. so i had to do these exercises where i walked duck-footed and so that's how we first like met and bonded she was about a year older than me and we started hanging out all the time we played all the time and we would we would create characters we'd go into her closet and her parents' closet and put on these different clothes and, like, I still remember her, like, duck-footing, walking with the oversized shoes on and, um...
1: She was the first art star.
0: I guess so. Um, at about age... I don't think I've ever told you about this. Um, would She succumbed to childhood leukemia mm-hmm. and this was my first experience with loss. Mm-hmm. I was probably... Seven. Dude, that's young, man. And the thing about this story is it's not true. I just created this character, Lucy Buttons, and killed her off just now. Oh, oh, oh. And I even got some tears oh, going. he did. And I did. He, did. he, he was sitting here. Tears going. No, and I, I'm looking at him.
1: <laughs> Why He's do we Boston. do this? <laughs> Why do writers See, do but, this? Yeah, but don't you feel
0: good? Don't yeah. you feel good? <laughs> Yeah, I almost got you crying a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was
1: like, oh, You're Sally Button, putting... <laughs> Sally Button!" <laughs> like, there were all these little characteristics. Oh, the duck walk, all of oh, it. Oh, my God. And the little outfits. The outfit and the, and the big shoes. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. That was brutal, man. What's wrong with me? That was brutal. I know. But the shit
0: works, though. It works. You cared about her.
1: I remember when I first read, and here's another spoiler alert, first read Dune. That shit blew my mind because, uh, you know, and and I'm sorry, I'm going to blow this, but I was a kid and I'm reading this book and it's sci-fi and it's real cool. And then basically like everybody dies Mm -hmm. and that shit just starts over. And
0: Mm -hmm. I'm like,
1: you can do that.
0: I remembered something from, I think this was the first year we were friends. Do you remember our fake fight? Vaguely. We choreographed the whole fucking thing. Like slamming my head onto the onto the hood of the car because I knew how to do that move where you just <laughs> you hit your hands there, and you br- yeah, br- yeah, bring yeah. your head back yeah. so that so it sounds like your head just actually yeah. hit the car. Yeah. We I don't know how we choreographed a fight. That's beautiful. And and of course everybody was was uh, was Getting all around us, oh, fight, 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 because people didn't break up fights back then. No, no.
1: <laughs> in fact, there there were fights. My understanding is that there that's not a thing anymore. But no, it's every other every other three o'clock there was something on the bill. Mm-hmm. In the so it wasn't us, but just the you know, fights were a thing, man. That was part of our entertainment.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely a a throwing against a fence. I remember that part. Nice. And uh, there was some fake w- fake punches where like I you you. Like fake, like you were punching, and I would do the slap sound.
1: Did you get any shots in?
0: Yeah, I got a few shots in. Yeah, yeah. We we made it a fair fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made it kind of ooh, because it it was going back and forth. Nice. But the final shot was the was the slamming the head against there. And then I went down, and then I got up, and I remember you going, We fooled all. (laughs) i'm surprised we didn't get our asses kicked doing no
1: absolutely that's amazing we did a lot of shit man we were crazy yeah yes we did and even when i when i mentioned orgies in that little passage i read you know orgies if i recall correctly it was our first conversation we were fucking 12 yeah, and we we're comparing notes about all the orgies we'd been to. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. None, many.
1: Right? Were there, <laughs> was there ginger ale at your orgy? Yeah, yeah. That was totally. That was totally soda at my orgy. Oh, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I remember you mentioning after the last show. Yeah, and now we've done that crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, are you still in touch with uh, the parents of the Amelia's? Character,
1: but they're not real, they're not real, so because it's a novel, so they're in my head, okay? They're in my head. It's you know, I as much as I appreciate that, that uh, thin line, I'm wary of it. A friend of mine wrote a novel around 2000, it was a novel. I looked at the cover, it says a novel, took shit for not being an. Underage gender fluid truck stop prostitute like when people were like, "Oh shit, it was written by a writer, People lost their minds so it can even even go both ways like is this true or is this false or and that's cool, but
0: I, I know somebody who knows that it can be not cool so but when when your character is uh, an attorney and a black belt and you're an attorney and a black belt, and you know so many obvious Obvious uh, similarities. It's
1: just a glaring lack of imagination. That's all.
0: <laughs> next book,
1: I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, eat my wheaties, and it'll be about like a talking dragon or some shit. Some wizard. Do you actually
0: have ideas for your next
1: book? Oh yeah, talking dragon. Who goes around fucking people up on the
0: street <laughs> <laughs> after graduating from law school? <laughs> after graduating, <laughs> after being a successful novelist. Yes, wizard <laughs> author. How how is the book doing? It's too soon to say
1: as far as sales go, but um I'm I'm see I wrote I I wrote this book on the condition to myself that I when it was perfect, I would put it in a drawer and when I died and they were throwing out my shit, someone would find it and read it and go, "Oh, we we should have been nicer to him. He was a good writer." Um uh, it it didn't it didn't uh and then at some point, you know, five years in, I was like, you don't work this hard on something without hoping someone reads it. And then that's, you know, shit was serious by then. Uh, but each new milestone is a pleasant surprise because writing is hard and largely thankless. And, you know, I- I'm I'm certain there are more lottery winners than rich, successful authors. And so the idea that it resonated for my friends was a, a victory. And then when it resonated for my agent, um, at upstart crow literary, the, the Daniel the, the first person in the industry who got what I was doing, that was a victory. That was, and, and even at, at that point, that was my personal goal, like get an agent. Cause that part was up to me. The rest of it was up to the agent and all the rest of that. So then we got a publisher. Eventually we got the perfect publisher eventually. And, expectations have been exceeded since then. The good reviews, uh, SF Chronicles' review was spot on. I did read that, and I, I really, really dug it.
0: Uh, yeah, when I say reviews, when well, it's, like, from Goodreads, and it's just some guy.
1: Right, it, there's a hierarchy, right? And, and yeah. I, I'm really starting to appreciate that. And in the beginning, I was like, you know, who, who, who the fuck is a critic? But a critic is still a step up from <laughs> the people whose voices you did so well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for that so there was going to be a, an entire did you really do it which at the top of the show we discussed you lured up on <laughs>
1: there too but there are a couple of things that okay. we are going to see All right.
0: uh, so did you really fuck up that poet's reading
1: uh, no I did not fuck up uh, and, and there are some spoilers here but I, I did not fuck up uh, the reading by the young griot who uh who was singing the praises of his ancestors who jumped off of the slave ships. Um, <laughs> yeah, Marcus points out those aren't his ancestors because they jumped off the ships right. and they took their babies with them. That's why uh, I was
0: laughing. I, no, no, totally. Way, I, uh, that could have been no, you really were laughing because you thought
1: that was funny. Um, be, I I did a long time ago hear somebody make a similar speech, but I didn't raise my hand and heckle. I Black Panther is everything to me. The one thing I kind of snagged on and I, I'm not okay. That comes up. Let's just say that concept comes up, and uh, and I get it. I think that a slight a slight rewrite you could express that sentiment. You know, kind of your spiritual ancestors or your would be ancestors. Mm-hmm. But I do think it takes something away from the people who survived, who endured and survived.
0: You had I we had talked about this beforehand, I mean, and you said it was sort of a composite.
1: Yeah, that was well. It was the. It was the times I've heard that okay. and the thoughts I've had in response. And I was able to actually, you know, through the, through the magic of, uh, of literature, create a scenario where those, that conversation actually happens in real time as opposed to, uh, you know, in three or four snippets over 20 years.
0: Okay. Now, you had already told me that you didn't actually ever wake up with a gun on your face. Um, but my follow-up question did intrigue you, which was, what was your impetus for creating that scenario?
1: Oh, Uh, knucklehead is about the ups and downs of life and, and rises and falls and twists and turns. You know, life is short. I agree that life is short, but I also think that life is long. And in a life well lived, perhaps one finds oneself in various situations, various extreme situations that, not only they wouldn't expect, but you couldn't even necessarily reconcile with each other because in the course of life, you try different things and you're young and you live here and you meet this person, you meet that person. Different parts of ourselves come out when we're in relationships with different people. And and as a result of a confluence of circumstances and personalities and bad luck, yeah, Marcus wakes up with a gun in his face.
0: Okay. We only have... Uh, seven minutes left to the show. Less than seven minutes. Can you tell us uh, where people can find your book and upcoming upcom- readings, and anything else that uh, is pertinent to promoting this shit?
1: Upcoming readings. I should have I should have brushed up on my calendar. I've just done a bunch of um, really good events from the launch in Berkeley in February to KGB Bar the other day. You were you were there. You took one of the best pictures of the thing. Uh, back in the Bay Area. Thank you. I will be at octopus literary may 4th i will be at uh, writers with drinks in july that's in san francisco and i'm thinking about announcing a date you, you i think you're, you're about to get a scoop
0: nice i, I have, like that
1: i have been asked to participate in the open book festival in september in cape town south africa
0: wow so
1: i'm going to africa to talk about knucklehead
0: wow congratulations thanks bro that's fantastic yeah
1: wow so we talk about expectations being exceeded i mean wow yeah africa 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 as dave chappelle put it
0: you when you mentioned uh when you mentioned writing this book and like not publishing it and someone finds it someday did you know that i made an album
1: i don't know that i knew that
0: (laughs) i I buried it (sighs) i did it was uh i think 1992 and i just resurrected it 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 can be found i can't remember where to tell people where to find it but i i remember that i made this album and i uh i thought it was really awesome and i had shopped it to like maybe two record labels like not i didn't work it that hard at all yeah yeah and they weren't interested and then i did a show with the musicians and I was terrible. They were great. I was terrible. But I, I just, I, I was like, well, this just didn't work. You know, this, so I successfully shelved it 25 years, 24 years later. I, I dig it up and I listen to it and it's fucking
1: amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I bet the shit's not it's bad. Fucking incredible. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's incredible. And so I'd had one episode. I had it converted to a CD yeah. and I did an episode of art star scene radio, which was just, just the album, listening to the album. And then afterwards, Catherine, my co host, giving me so much shit for not releasing it. She's like, You idiot. Yeah.
1: You would have been a rock star. Dude, I bet it was so good. See, this it's is the thing. Really going good. going back in junior high school, this is who we were. I was the kid who got in trouble for laughing at the shit Face said under his breath. <laughs> That's true. I couldn't I couldn't stay quiet about it. <laughs> so yeah, you get a good band behind you, man. And
0: Oh, it was incredible. Yeah yeah I, mean, I gotta hear that yeah yeah you do how do you feel about your uh cd justice looking back on it now
1: you know it's all been the same stuff man i've been trying to say the same one goddamn thing for as long as i can remember and and this this novel is the medium the 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 time and place that has resonated the most for people mm-hmm. but it all counts you know, the line I said about O.J. could have cut off a black woman's head and you wouldn't even remember. Mm-hmm. That's one of the lines in the, in the CD. Okay. So this this has been rattling around for a minute.
0: Yeah, it has. Uh, you can find me at faceboy.com. You can hear all past episodes of Art Star Scene Radio there. And there are links to different things that I do. And I do want to mention coming up next on Radio Free Brooklyn is Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Do you like money? I'm sure you do. Do you like to laugh? Of course you do. So stay tuned for Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel.
1: Shit, that sounds good.
0: Wasn't that good? Yeah. (laughs) I'm selling it. I like to laugh. And you like money. I like money. Oh, sorry. It's the show. I like to do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do purposeful dead air. <laughs> it's
1: time for the dead air segment.
0: Uh, two and a half minutes. I know it goes quickly, so I do a little bit of music with it. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. Face your up. A force in nature, man. You've been at this a long time in so many different forms. And one of the benefits of 40 years of friendship is you see almost the entire body of work, you know. And and, and by work, I just mean your life. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get down on myself a lot. And then I think about it and I realize... Everything I've set out to do, I've succeeded in. Yes. you know, I get down on myself because I'm not rich. Right, I don't have. Right. Cause I don't have the monetary things that you know the the, the measures of that that society tells you yeah. to yeah. measure yourself by. But I wanted to do a radio show. I'm doing a fucking great one. It's usually the most downloaded one on the station. Wanted to do an open mic. It became famous. <laughs> it was written in the New York Times.
1: You know what it is? It's like there are two layers of success. There's, there's rich and famous, and that's, that's the, the, we like that one. But then there's the one where 50 years from now, when you die, someone is going to say to someone you don't know, oh, you know who died? Face Boy." And that person you never met is going to go, huh. Like, they're going to know. They're going to give a shit. Like, maybe if I'm lucky, 50 years from now, when I die, they're going to be like, you know who died? Adam Smyre. Huh? He wrote Knucklehead. And somebody's going to go,
0: huh. And that's, that's something. No, you're going to be a famous writer. Well, (laughs) we'll now, like soon. (laughs) I know. I know. I think it was you that told me that when we were in junior high school, I said, Robert Downey Jr., his face is going to be, his poster is going to be on. Teenage girl's walls. I said that in junior high. You called that shit. I know. I see talent. Wow, that's true. Mm -hmm. So get ready, man. Mm -hmm. All right. Tune in each and every Saturday at 7 p.m. for Art Star Scene Radio. Oh, fuck. There was a... This is... This is important. You have 11 seconds. Yeah. uh, There was... This is a common household item that was recently recalled. It could kill you if you don't take care of this.